The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers, from online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Cal Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Award-winning journalist and author Adam Skolnick returned to the podcast, and we got down to brass tacks about his writer's journey, his new book, and the globetrotting life of a travel writer. Adam's first narrative nonfiction book, One Breath, Freediving Death and the Quest to Shatter Human Limits, was recently published by Crown Archetype, and it's based on his award-winning New York Times sports coverage of the death of the greatest American freediver of all time. One Breath has been compared to other classics of extreme sports journalism, like John Krakauer's Into Thin Air, and early reviews have been very positive. In addition to his most recent work, Adam is the author and co-author of 25 Lonely Planet Guidebooks, and he's written for publications as varied as ESPN.com, Men's Health, Outside, BBC, Playboy Magazine, and The New York Times. Join us for this two-part interview. In part one of The File, Adam and I discuss what it's like to do environmental work with Jack Johnson, how to become an award-winning journalist without taking a writing class, why you should tell the stories that come to you, simple hacks to help you beat writer's block, and how daily word counts can keep your writing on track. We are rolling with Adam Skolnick, award-winning journalist and author of the recently published fantastic nonfiction book, One Breath, Freediving, Death and the Quest to Shatter Human Limits. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for taking time out of your busy promotional schedule to chat with me again. I think this is your third visit to the show. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's always great to be on the show and to talk to you. And uh, thanks. Well, um, you're coming back on the show to actually do 
the Writer Files Q&A for the first time because uh, last couple of visits we just kind of wrapped about um, whatever we felt like really. Yeah, yeah. So I'm eager to, to be in the files. Yeah, well, I am eager to pick your brain about your process. Caroline Early uh, would kill me if I didn't ask you about, we, we kind of left you on a cliffhanger the last time you were on the show. You were about to go on a yacht with your buddy, uh, Jack Johnson, the musician. <laughs> so she would kill me if I didn't ask you, uh, how, how was that trip? Um, well, buddy would probably be a stretch, uh, but uh, obviously we, we got to know each other on that expedition. I, I met him for the first time on that trip. And uh, I, we were with Five Gyres, which is a marine plastic pollution research and advocacy organization. And their, uh, their mission is to end marine plastic pollution, which is uh, basically a plague to me on the level of climate change. It's, it, if it's not the number one environmental issue out there, it's the number two environmental issue out there. It's, it's, it's a pandemic. Um, and Jack Johnson has been intimately involved fighting marine plastic pollution for a long time. He's a big wave surfer as well as a musician. And along for the ride were other ocean athletes, including the Malloy brothers, Kimmy Werner, who's a, a, a champion, spearfish woman, um, Mark Cunningham, who's a champion uh, uh, body surfer as well as a, a lifelong uh, career lifeguard at Pipeline. And then there were other um, environmental advocates and researchers on, on the vessel as well. It wasn't a hmm. yacht. It was a tall ship. We sailed from Eleuthera, Bahamas to Bermuda. Uh, it was it was spectacular, the, and we were in some of the bluest ocean any of us had ever seen, and we're mm-hmm. all ocean people, and we're all travelers, and it was some of the most beautiful ocean we'd ever seen, and then we would troll uh, behind us these uh, these nets that were custom made by five gyres, and we'd come up with like microplastics every time, so mm-hmm. you know, there's a smog of microplastic in the ocean, and that's kind of what we were highlighting, um, and Jack just a, a remarkable individual, you know, for six years, he gave away a hundred percent of his touring proceeds to environmental organizations. I mean, a hundred percent and, um, just a, a remarkable leader and individual. So it's a real pleasure. That's cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty great work and, and I'll definitely link to that and your piece in the show notes for listeners. Cool. And you can tell Carolyn that, um, you know, I've been telling a lot of women, this, but you know, as as dreamy and awesome as they think he is, he's actually better. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible news for Caroline. I know, Caroline. Sorry, Caroline. <laughs> um, he's actually better than you could even imagine. <laughs> she's gonna punch me. So, uh, yeah, congratulations on the the praise for your book. It's pretty amazing. I mean, you, you're doing the rounds now, but uh, you've been on NPR. Uh, Liz Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert, number one uh, New York Times bestselling author of uh, Eat, Pray, Love, and and big, most recently Big Magic said uh, some pretty nice things about uh, your most recent work, a powerful story about a dangerous, beautiful sport, and an unforgettable young man, that young man being uh, Nicholas Mavoli. So um, congrats, man. It's it's exciting. Uh, you also got a starred Kirkus review, which was which was stellar. And the, the good reviews are just uh, rolling in for you. Thanks, man. Uh, it's it's great. You know, you, you spend two years of your life working on something, and and uh, it's nice when when people are responding to it. And uh, you know, as we stand right now, uh, you're referencing 
things that have happened that haven't happened because as you know we're we're recording this in December before it comes out. So I don't know if I should even be telling you this, but <laughs> it's, it's fine. You know, like for me, um, I'm at this place where, uh, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy every, every aspect of it and open to all possibilities and, and hustling to try to promote it. And, um, because I think it's a story worth telling. And, and, uh, and I think anytime people are exposed to free diving stories, they're curious, even if they're not ocean people at all. So, yeah. There's something about the sport. There's something about this young man who, to me, is like a Christopher McCandless type character, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that people are responding to. And uh, when you work on something like that, and you put your put everything you got into it, uh, it's it's kind of not that hard to let go and just let let it happen, let the response happen, whatever it is. Because I couldn't have, I couldn't have worked harder on it. So yeah. I feel I feel really good about it. Yeah, well, listeners who may not uh, have heard some of um, our earlier podcasts, uh, you won a couple APSC awards for your New York Times coverage of that story about Nicholas, and it just kind of snowballed into this this amazing book, which I will recommend um, readers go out there, pick up. It's a beautiful cover, One Breath, and it's about competitive freediving and a lot more actually surrounding... uh, the tragic loss of, of one of its brightest stars. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's like the way I describe it is Into the Wild Meets the Wave. The Wave is a brilliant book by Susan Casey, who's another tremendous author. And she um, she delved into the big wave surfing world through Laird Hamilton and his crew. And so this book starts with uh, Nick's death and it delves back into his life and it tracks back and forth between his life and he, he led a really remarkable life, a life of rebellion and, and, and promise and achievement in, in multiple fields. I mean, he co-wrote and starred in a, an independent movie. He worked on the Chappelle show for the entirety of its run. Hmm. Um, he uh, was early in on the Williamsburg, Brooklyn kind of uh, hipster explosion. So he got in there right after 9-11. And so he saw that whole neighborhood change. He's kind of like a modern day Zelig for pop culture in, in certain hmm. ways. And then and then he gets into free competitive freediving. He, he was always gifted in the water and he got into competitive freediving. So we follow that journey and we track back and forth between his life and his evolution as an athlete to the 2014 freediving season as the athletes cope with the fact that he's dead and and try to figure out why, because it was an event that hadn't happened in freediving before. The way he died was uh, for, you know, it came out of left field to a lot of these athletes. And, uh, And so what ties those two strands together is the investigation into his death by a doctor named Carrie Hollowell, who's also a competitive free diver. So that's the world. And, um, and that's the book. Yeah. It's, it's very compelling. It's, um, tragic and heartbreaking at the same time. And the, um, book trailer is chilling. I have to be completely honest with you. I was kind of, uh, just immersed and, um, kudos on, on the work that they did on that as well. Thank you. Thank you. That was, uh, that was, just me and a, and an editor. So that's just that's kind of how the, the way it is with um, with books these days, and it, and it's great. It's like you know, at, even though this was a, a book with a major publisher, um, you know, there's still a lot of kind of DIY stuff going on to promote a book. Uh, when you're, even though I've been a writer for a number of years, um, there's a lot of DIY and what you're willing to do. And 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 for me, I'm kind of also an advocate for this sport now. So the more people that can see compelling footage about what these athletes do, the better I think for the sport and, and for 
and for the book, but also it's kind of just cool for people to see. It's like it, it immerses people in this world they didn't have any idea about. And that's always fun when, when you can kind of expose people to something so cool for the first time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, let's talk about you and a little bit about your process, a little bit about your background as a, as a writer for listeners out there who might not kind of know your, your origins, could you dig in into a little bit about your background? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I was thinking yesterday about the letters you and I used to exchange way back when. Um, and, uh, and as we were both kind of finding our voices as writers or, you know, we weren't even really declaring in that direction at that time. Um, and how those were kind of compelling, you know, pivotal for me, that, that kind of, that kind of exchange mm-hmm. is a lot. I don't know if your listeners realize what a talented writer you are and I've always been. So, uh-huh. um, and so I think, uh, I think that's something I was thinking about yesterday anyway. And, um, so for me, my story is, uh, I never really took any writing classes. Uh, I got out of college and was working in the environmental advocacy field like you, we were doing grassroots campaign work and, and I was in LA, then the Pacific Northwest, where, where you and I met, and uh, and but I would I would I was starting to to kind of do some stream of consciousness journaling on the side, so I would kind of you know get high and play jazz and just write <laughs> like a maniac, <laughs> and uh, and kind of really loved it, you know, loved the feeling of it, but didn't really necessarily think much of my chances. I wasn't even considering it really. It was just uh, something I loved to do, and then. Um, fast forward, uh, I guess it must've been like four, four years, four and a half years, five years. Yeah. Five years. I had, uh, taken a trip. I'd, I'd hiked 
I'd, I'd backpacked, excuse me, from Mexico to Ecuador. And uh, along the way, kind of had some adventures and uh, obviously was writing for myself that whole time, but not for public consumption at all. And then I came back and got a job working in an environmental group in LA. And hmm. um, at that point, I, was, I went to Africa for a sabbatical, kind of in the middle of that run and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, but before that, I went to an island called Zanzibar, and, and uh, I grabbed it, an island's magazine, uh, which is still in print, great magazine, uh, and brought it with me. And I'd read, read an article about Zanzibar in that magazine, and it was such a great article. Uh, I can't even remember the author at this point, but mm-hmm. I, was, I, was, I loved it. And I'm sitting there finishing the article on the beach in, in Zanzibar, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm like, look at the contributors page and I'm like, and I found a picture of the author and I'm thinking, who the hell is this guy? Why does he get to do this for a living? You know, like, why, why, why can't I do this? Yeah. And so I, you know, made it kind of my mission to write my, my write my way around the world at yeah. that point. And so I came back to LA and walked Wilshire, Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards from beginning to end. And I wrote a long form nonfiction thing about it. And that got me my first gig with a now defunct LA magazine um, and I walked around <laughs> East, East Los Angeles and did kind of a walking tour of East LA. And that was the very first thing I got paid $150 for it. And in, as a matter of fact, they weren't paying me. They weren't paying me. I actually showed up at their offices while they were <laughs> boxing up their <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and the woman sees me and she's mortified and she runs upstairs and gets me a check, you know, because yeah. I, I had a feeling like if I can't get a check for this, it's never going to happen. Like I needed that. I needed that check so bad. <laughs> so I got the check. Um, and, and after that, I got into um, writing about yoga and wellness and that kind of thing. And um, you, know, you and I were writing screenplays at that time. So I, I left my job and you were getting out of, uh, uh, you'd gone back to school for creative writing and you and I teamed up to write screenplays. And on the side of that, I was writing grants to make a living and I was trying to get a story here or there. A lot of it, I was focused on wellness because, you know, at that point, yoga was still building its momentum in in the States. And so I started writing a lot about yoga. I got hooked up with a publisher uh, for LA Yoga and kind of helped launch that magazine that's still in print. Um, But, uh, and then uh, a woman named Liz Mazursky, who was the editor-in-chief of Spa Magazine, brought me in to do some stories for her. And they were owned by Islands Media. At the time, Islands Media just had the two titles, um, Islands Magazine and, and Spa. And so it was kind of like poetic justice. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my very first travel story, exclusively travel story that wasn't wellness at all was uh, a Cuban, Cuban baseball story that I did for Islands Magazine. And, um, and so that's kind of how it started. And then uh, another pivotal thing, I guess, shortly after the Bali bombing, I ended up bundling a bunch of stories, uh, assignments together, paying my own expenses. One was for islands, one was for uh, uh, spa, and then I did something for Yoga International. Those were the three I had going in. And I went to Indonesia to report those stories and um, talk about a country that was still on the terrorism list. You know, we still had them on the terrorist watch list. They were still kind of this... this, rogue nation in terms of state department but you know obviously i found out something much different and that started kind of a love affair with me with that country of indonesia which i've been reporting in ever since and uh, that really established me i think as a travel writer and so then i was just all travel writing and lonely planet writing uh you know i got got in with them started doing guidebooks i've done about 30 of those so it's been in this evolution uh over time and in 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 between the lonely planet assignments and the travel assignments i've i've uh, you know, 
I'm always looking out for human rights stories, environmental stories. So I've covered human rights in um, in, the, in in Myanmar and uh, Angola. I've covered uh, you know stand up paddle races in Hawaii, uh, and I've you know I've covered all these different things. And it's really just the stories that come to me that I follow. That's really the best way to explain it. But uh, you know, and lately that's been in the ocean. Um, Partly because of, you know because I just so happened to to be there when when Nick died covering uh, this niche sport and this competition for the New York Times sports page and then he died ten feet in front of me and uh, and that kind of launched this journey so you know being an outsider in 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 writing and just uh, never being in house starting kind of late in life I guess I was about twenty eight when I started to go for this which is late in terms of getting an in-house position, hmm. um, never being educated in journalism, kind of just doing it as an outsider has led me to just following the stories that come to me and, uh, and telling those stories. And so that's kind of how I've, I've cobbled together a career, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And your own story is, is very, um, inspiring and, and, uh, you know, you're a world traveler, you've written for all these high profile magazines and it's uh really exciting to see this uh uh, bigger work go out into the world and and get really great great reviews so congratulations on everything if listeners want to connect with more of your writing out there where's the best place to find some of your stuff adamskolnick.com is the best place uh just my name adam skolnick s-k-o-l-n-i-c-k.com yeah and what are you working on right now so aside from promoting this book, um, I just got back not too long ago from Lagos, Nigeria, uh, where I was doing a story on nightlife and music in Lagos for Playboy magazine. So that's a feature that'll be out in the April issue, I believe. And uh, that was a lot of fun exploring the night, mm. the high-end nightclubs and the street, you know, the block parties and yeah. Hanging out with Fela's kids and, and watching Shayun Kuti perform wow. at the new, the new Africa Shrine. It was just an epic trip. And just, a, you know, the people of Nigeria just really touched me. Really, really, really a strong character and, and great, great, you know, just really open and warm people. And it was, uh, it was quite something. Yeah. And listeners can, can follow your travels on Instagram. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I have a, my Instagram is just my name at Adam Skolnick, and uh, that's probably the best place to figure out where I am. <laughs> For sure, I, I'm always looking up and seeing the photos. I'm like, I didn't know you were in Lagos, <laughs> but that's cool. <laughs> yep, Wait, how'd you get there? All right, man. Well, let's dig into your productivity a little bit as a. Uh, club trotting journalist. How much time per day would you say you're reading or doing research for your stuff? Uh, I would say my time usually goes in blocks of research than writing, generally speaking. So I might be on the road and I'll be fully immersed in research and that could be, you know, all day into the night. Um, and then when I'm research, then when, and that's usually kind of experiential on the ground, boots on the ground type research. Um, I might before a trip get do some online research and do some reading um, in, in advance of going to the, to the location. It just depends on what else is going on in my life. If I have time to do a lot of advanced research, then I will. Uh, for the Lego story, uh, I was doing, you know, I was taking off little chunks and trying to research and, and meet people and, and connect with people 
set up, set up meetings before I got there. And then I'll get there and just kind of be in the world. Uh, and then uh, when I'm writing, again, that could, that could vary. You know, what I try to do is write 3,000 words a day. Uh, you know, if I'm doing a, a magazine feature, I might cut that down to 1,500 words a day, 2,000 words a day. But if I'm doing a, you know, a book, when I was writing uh, One Breath or I'm doing Lonely Planet Guidebook kind of chunks of text that are, we're talking about you know, up to 100,000 word manuscripts. You know, I, had, I had done a year of research on One Breath and then um, I had less than 10 weeks to write the whole thing and turn it in. So wow. uh, you can't do that unless you're chunking out work. So I do yeah. about 3,000 words a day. Uh, and that, that can take four hours or it can take nine hours. And, and what matters most is, is the word count. Yeah, yeah. So before you uh, crack your knuckles and sit down to get going on a big chunk, um, do you have any pregame rituals? Not really, not really. I mean, you know, I've found that uh, you might feel good on a day of writing and it might be flowing and then the work might not be that good and you might have days where you're like feel, everything feels like a chore and you're kind of grumpy and you can't seem to get a flow down and then that work ends up being really good or vice versa. So um, no, I don't have any rituals. I think for me, the most important thing is just to, is to do the daily work, take the daily steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think you're best in the mornings or are you better at night? I'm better in the day, yeah. Better in the day. And are you a guy who can uh, stick on headphones or are you just someone who does uh, silence or um, like a white noise thing? Uh, I'll do headphones, but not with English lyrics. And I'll keep it at low volume. I'll do headphones with, um, you know, uh, instrumental or, or uh, you know, foreign language that I don't understand or that kind of thing, you know, some world music, something. If, I, if I'm listening to a song with English lyrics, that usually gets in the way. Um, so I'll either do silence or I'll do some headphones, depending. But I can work anywhere. So sometimes that demands headphones. You know, if I'm working in a cafe or if I'm working at a restaurant or in, uh, in a hotel room where, you know, there might be construction or some noise or something like that, um, I'll just throw the headphones on and do it. Yeah, yeah. Do you believe in writer's block? I don't believe in writer's block. I think if you are struggling to figure out what to write, it means you don't know what you want to say. And so uh, the way I deal with that is it means that I haven't outlined thoroughly enough and I haven't reduced that big blank page to smaller little blank blocks. Hmm. And so what I try to do is, is get all of that outlined as detailed as possible. It doesn't mean a certain organizational aspect of the outline. It just means I know what I want to say now at this moment. And I know how that chunk will play into a larger chunk. And that way you redu reduce the space you have to fill. It's, it's much more manageable. Um, and, and I think that whenever I feel blocked, I just try to get into that space and try to figure out what I want to say right then. Um, and, and that usually solves the problem for me. So, I mean, some people have writer's block though. So it's not that I don't believe in it for other people. Just for me, um, it usually means that I don't, I don't know what I need to say. Yeah, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's talk about your workflow a little bit. Um, what uh, model laptop are you working on now? MacBook Air. And have you always worked on a MacBook Air? I can't remember. You, I know you've been a Mac guy for years. I've been a Mac guy. I had the PowerBook. I think I had the 12-inch PowerBook, one of the first ones that came out. Then I went up to a 14-inch, um, and now back to a 12-inch Air yeah. because now DVDs aren't necessary. So I just switched it back, and you know I don't have to lug a big, tr- a big computer around. I have this really lightweight book that kind of goes with me, and, and it works for me because I'm on the road so much. Yeah. And uh, what software do you find yourself using most for your writing and content? I'm, I'm, real, and stuff? I'm real basic Microsoft Word. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not the. I'm not much of a techie. I mean, I have stuff, but I, I don't really. I'm pretty. I'm pretty remedial like that. So I just yeah. I use Word. But you do have some innovative um, kind of organizational hacks, don't you? That, that you kind of helps you to keep all of the everything together, all the everything glued. Um. Not really. I mean, I, I, my organizational system is like a bunch of stuff spread across my desk. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, is not that as not innovative good? as is I that thought. Bad? Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> that can't be good. Um, no, I, I, um, so what I tend to do is I fill notebooks or I fill, you know, what's been good for me organizationally, actually the best thing that's ever happened organizationally for me is starting to take all my notes in my phone. Right, and so um, I'll either take the notes, or I'll have voice recordings, or um, or I will also fill moleskin notebooks, and then eventually everything gets transcribed into a document that I can keep. You know, all of the, you know whatever it is, if it's interviews with X person, and I have all this different material from different uh, modalities, then I'll put that all in one place in a document. So I'll end up with these big notes documents that are kind of broken down and transcribed. And so then I can search keywords and I can get to that stuff. And that's kind of how I do it. And then when I fill out my outline, I've got my outline here and then I, and I drop in kind of anything related that was from the big notes and I put it there so that I can read it and use it. And that's kind of how I, I work. So, you know, that, that what helped me the most with that is using the notes, uh, notes app, just the mm. one that comes with the iPhone yeah. and then, um, using different, uh, voice recorder apps. Uh, oh yeah, my phone is off for this, but, uh, voice recorder HD is one I use yeah. so that you can, you can, um, upload to Dropbox and that's been helpful. So I guess that's a system. I mean, that's 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 true. That's a yeah, system. yeah. That seems pretty innovative. How are you finding the new, the newest version of the Notes app? Is it different? Well, like I said, I'm not like I'm not the guy that takes advantage of all that all that new stuff. So for me, it so far feels pretty much the same. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't really love the new iPhone because it slips out of my hand a lot. So I just got this life-proof case, which mm-hmm. allows me to grip it. So I'm really excited about that. I can hold <laughs> my phone now. Good news. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Um, so how do you beat uh, the dreaded procrastination? You can't beat procrastination. It just rises up and grips you. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess what helps me the most is just having a word count that I have to hit. So um, I might 
you know, drift off into daydreams or call my friend or go for lunch or, you know, go on ESPN.com and read some story about like a basketball player that I don't need to know about. Um, but I know I have to do my words that day. So, um, I will do them. So that's kind of, that's, that's the way I, I beat it just by churning out the work. And that way, if I do feel kind of drifty that day, I, I allow myself to go do it. And then I know, you know, eventually I have to get those words in yeah. or, or I won't be finished for the day. Yeah. So how does Adam Skolnick unplug at the end of a hard writing day? <laughs> you know, I, I, my days are so different, but, um, you know, what I do most is swim in the ocean. So I'll go for, you know, swims like mile or two mile long swims in the ocean. And, um, that's the, that's the way I unplug. It's not always at the end of the day. Sometimes it's the morning, sometimes the middle of the day. When, when I was writing one breath, I was doing my words right every day. And that m- meant that I couldn't often go swimming with my friends. Like, there's a three of us that go swimming together in the ocean out there, but around point doom. And, um, so it got to the point where <clears throat> my friend said, just come, you can work in the back seat on the way there and on the way back. Cause it's about a 45 minute drive at the least each way. So it's like 45 to an hour. And so I started to do that. I started to like right in the back seat <laughs> either way with the headphones in so I could get, you know, 500 or a thousand words in on the trip. And that, that'll, that would be enough. And then I'd work, you know, finish the rest when I got home. Um, mm. and that allowed me to swim because there's, when I'm swimming, there is no kind of like, uh, reflexive staring at your phone for no reason. There is none of that. You're, there's no phone calls. There's nothing. And it's just the big blue and whatever wildlife we see. And it's, it, it, it just kind of totally cleanses me. So, uh, that's, that's what I do. Uh, interesting factoid for you. My sister, Lori used to work at the, uh, ranger station there at point doom. Yes. And that was probably back in the eighties, I think. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah, it, it Point looked, Doom or, or Leo Carrillo? It was Point, Point. It was Point Doom, actually. Wow, uh, wow, wow, wow. I remember hanging out out there. It was it looked a little bit different uh, than it does today. Yeah, but you know the, where we swim, it's a marine protected area, so yeah. um, that's why we see so much wildlife. I mean, I've had whales swim right under me. We're around dolphins all the time, sea lions, seals. There's thousands of fish. You know, it's yeah. phenomenal out there. It's a gorgeous beach. Oh, the best beach, yeah. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.